1: On a Wednesday, we got to talk some USC football. It's game prep week or mock game week. One more. Uh, this week of practice, next week of practice. And, of course, USC plays Alabama down in Dallas uh, for the opener. Should be amazing. There'll be lots of cool stuff going on between now and then. We want to talk about the depth chart. We want to talk about the quarterbacks. All that kind of stuff uh, that's been going on. A lot of USC news lately. We talked to Coach Harvey Hyde on Monday. Today, we're talking with Dan Weber, USCfootball.com beat writer and columnist and you guys have sent in an absolute ton of questions again we're going to try to get to them all uh podcast at uscfootball.com is how you get a hold of us or you can leave a voicemail by calling 641-715-3900 extension 816 or go to our website peristylepodcast.com click on the left side of the page to leave a voicemail right from your computer mobile device let's bring in dan weber dan how you doing man what's up
2: doing good uh We're in the, uh, not quite the final run, uh, to the season, but we're getting there. It does seem like, uh, yesterday really seemed like, uh, start of, uh, getting ready for games, uh, the kind of practice where they've game plan. They look like they know exactly what they want to do and who they're doing it with. And they're doing it against the scout team for the first time. And all of that, you just get, you know, the sense that, you know, it's almost here and it is almost here.
1: It is almost here. We're really getting excited here. There's people, a lot more tweets about college football, a lot more posts on the message board. The, the peristyle is really busy right now. So if you're not a member of uscfootball.com, you should jump in there and get on there. The busiest USC message board in the world. And, uh, we love it. We love all the fans on there asking questions and Dan and Gerard and me and shotgun and everybody on there. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm excited. I'm losing my voice here. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of talking the last couple of days. Um, doing a lot of radio and stuff, that means college football is here. So we're excited for that. All right. I wanted to uh thank our sponsor before we jump into all the questions, Dan. Uh, Mac Weldon. So you guys have heard of him before, hopefully. Uh, I've tweeted out about him. Uh, we talked about it here on the Peristyle. Yes, we're talking about a little bit of underwear on the Peristyle. And I actually started a, uh, a CrossFit class today, Dan, which kicked my butt all over the place. But I was very comfortable because I was wearing my Mac Weldon uh, boxer briefs. So I like those. Um, so check it out. So just, just to let you guys know. So MacWeld it's like, a, it's a higher grade, higher quality of underwear and men's apparel. You check it out on MacWeldon.com. So anything you check out there, if you buy it, 20% off. If you use the code peristyle, it's for the peristyle podcast. So P-E-R-I-S-T-Y-L-E, peristyle, 20% off MacWeldon stuff. Go to the website, check it out. The website's really easy. It's intuitive. Um, it's not really complicated. You can kind of go and and look at the stuff you like. So um, I do like the boxer briefs. Uh, the socks are awesome. I wore them. I had to go to a wedding in Tennessee, so I wear the long socks, which I, I like a lot. Um, the one thing, too, is like it's just it's really good stuff, but if if you're not comfortable in it, um, they want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, you could keep it, and they're going to send your money back. So you get 20% off, and they'll give you your money back if you don't like it. So definitely try it out. I've never done the higher-end underwear thing before, and now, now I'm never going to go back. So. Make sure you check it out. Our buddies, Mac Weldon, uh, com. Check it out, uh, the Peristyle. Um, all right. Dan, before we jump in, I know there was a topic you wanted to discuss first. It's a, been a topic on the message boards about how physical, uh, or lack of physicality there's been at USC football practice. So maybe we'll start with that and then we'll jump into all the other stuff.
2: Yeah. I know there. <clears throat> and it's a, you know, it's a carryover maybe from, uh, the, uh, failure to engage for the holiday bowl and giving them a week off and uh you know more worried about oh they're you know they need to recover from the season and and getting ready to be able to be physical and slug it out with wisconsin and you know that was clearly a misstep which we said at the time but i think there are people who are you know interpreting that that's you know been a carry over and it, and it really hasn't uh and you know our USC practice is long enough you know they're Half hour, 35 minutes longer than any practices that, you know, we've gone through since, uh, and not, in, you know, including Pete and everybody. So these are the longest, you know, most thorough practices. They, uh, uh you know, I think this is the best conditioned team, uh, in the best shape that we've, you know, seen a team, certainly in recent years. And, uh, and I, I will note this, for example, you know, this team essentially hit three scrimmages. Uh, if you want to look at Alabama and people look at Alabama, they will, they've only had two. They're only going to have two scrimmages. And one of them got, you know, had all kinds of problems with the rain and all that. So I don't think this is a team that, you know, is, is not going to be, you know, physical. And, and, you know, they don't, people say, oh, they're not doing enough tackling in practice. Uh, you know, they do the thud where you do everything but take them all the way to the ground to avoid that injury. And I think the difference is if you stand around and, you know, play the defense they've played the last couple of years and said, that's a problem. You don't get the proper tackling angles. You don't get the proper speed and all that. But if you're aggressive in your scheme and you get the team, you know, get the defense, you know, defenders running to the ball, running, uh, you know, aggressively on every play, you basically run through people, and the tackle with the kind of athletes USC happen you know, has the tackles, you know, make themselves, you know, if you're in the right place at the right time, at the right speed and all of that kind of thing. So I, so I don't, I really don't have that kind of, you know, worry or those, those kinds of issues. And, and this is, you know, we're talking, obviously, we're playing out, you know, you're playing Alabama, the most physical team in the country in recent years. And you got Stanford two weeks later and i don't think it's as big an issue as some people you know seem to to worry about i think this team will be as prepared as this team can be um you know for the first game that's uh, that's my thinking i i don't think it's an issue
1: all right um well let's jump right into the questions cuz we have a ton like i said um we'll start with a short one stephen Poway, any surprises on the depth chart and uh, for people who don't know clay helton released the two deep depth chart over the weekend of course, naming Max uh, Brown as the starting quarterback, and then the full depth chart came out on Sunday.
2: I guess my only surprise would have been the fact that um, Chuma Doga has been playing left tackle for the last, <clears throat> certainly more than a week, and he wasn't listed there, uh, which seemed to be you know a very optimistic take on Chad Wheeler's return to left tackle. Uh, I probably would have certainly listed him as an O'er there, or listed him somewhere as a left tackle. That that would have been, that was kind of a surprise. I think. Uh, think to me, uh, others. I know people think Jacob Daniel is the third team nose tackle. Uh, is a surprise. Honestly, when you you watch TV, two Kalawatu and uh, Khalil Rogers, it's not. Uh, I think people were underestimating the impact of, of Khalil Rogers, for example, on defense. I think they're. You know, they're, well, he's never played there before. But, uh, I think in, in this defense that they're playing, uh, he will be an impact player there. And it might have been, you know, a lot to expect, uh, you know, somebody, a younger player to, to get ahead of, head of Khalil, even though Khalil had not ever played there. So, uh, otherwise, I don't think, I mean, I think, for example, some people saw Isaac Whitney listed uh is one of four you know wide receivers in, in one position and thought that means he was really relegated and i don 't think that that means that at all i I think you're seeing the kinds of combinations in the two deep where uh it isn 't that obvious that this guy's ahead of this guy is ahead of this guy the way they 're you know kind of mixing and matching their combinations so I think maybe we read a little bit too much into into some of those uh uh you know, where they exactly are on the depth chart.
1: Okay. Uh, Gene in Orange County, he says, I think Helton made another big mistake on picking Max Brown as the quarterbacks. You guys and everyone else have been saying both quarterbacks were playing even, no way to pick one over the other. The one thing SC has been lacking the last few years is a mobile run option type quarterback to compete with the other modern offenses we are facing. Uh, with Sam, we finally had a good mobile quarterback. Although Brown is a good quarterback, he is the old-style pocket passer. Uh, this was our chance to modernize the offense, and now Sam may leave us as Brown has two years of eligibility left. What do you guys think?
2: Well, first of all, Sam isn't leaving, uh, so I guess that, that changes the hypothetical of that question. And I guess if USC can be the old-style offense, you know, like, oh, I don't know, Alabama, Stanford, I think USC fans will take that. It's probably not the worst thing in the world to be that kind. I think USC, Clay makes it clear, USC is always going to have a quarterback who can throw the football. I mean, I think there are teams that said, you know, we, we've we got the ability to get an athlete, quarterback. Okay, maybe he doesn't throw the ball great, but he can scamper like crazy. Well, I think you got to build that into your whole program with, you know, everything you do in terms of your recruiting and your backups and all that kind of stuff. And you can't just have one of those guys or you can't just say, well, we're going to change our offense because we got one guy who runs it a little bit better than the guys we used to have. And then he goes down to who you got behind him. So, uh, so I think USC is not giving in. They're saying we think we can be the kind of team that USC was. We think we can be the kind of team that USC historically has been with people who can block you, and people who can be physical, and people who can run the ball behind those blockers. And with a strong arm quarterback who can throw the ball down the field, especially off play action because you have to respect the run. You can say, well, that's what Alabama does. And you say, well, maybe we'll do it with a maybe a better quarterback. Uh, that would be a good idea. Uh, or the same, you know, with Stanford. And um, so, you know, I wouldn't call this, you know, this is the new way to go, and this is the old way to, you know. No, I don't think, think that's – I mean, if you checked the NFL out, how many touchdowns did uh, Peyton Manning run for in his career? Or how many <laughs> touchdowns is Tom Brady going to run for? You know? I mean, it's you could actually win without a quarterback who runs the ball. Really, you can.
1: Yeah, and the offense wasn't changing. Um, Clay Helton made that clear. They weren't going to have the quarterback run 15 times a game no matter who end up winning the job. So just because Sam won doesn't mean they were changing the whole offense for him. It was going to be the same offense.
2: Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, I mean, let's face it. There's no comparison in the championship game between uh, Clemson's Deshaun Watson and, and Alabama's quarterback, you know, uh, Jay Coker. Who won, you know? I mean, okay, you say for a lot of reasons. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think you have to change what you're doing in order to uh, to win football games. I don't think USC does, okay? I don't think USC has to chase the trends. Uh A lot of those people are to do that because they can't get that quarterback. Here, USC's got, I mean, to be honest, USC's got two quarterbacks who'd probably start at Alabama uh, or for almost anybody in the SEC. So why not take advantage of guys who can throw the ball, big, strong, you know, classic quarterback types, and the fact that you know you get one who could also run it that's a bonus but it doesn't mean you've got to change everything uh because of that
1: let's see let's go to martin in ontario he wants to know will we see more of the offense uh rolling the pocket to throw down the field which the offense used to do in the past uh with success
2: well, I think you'll see some of it, yeah. I, I don't think there's any question. Uh, and you can do that, you know, with play action. And uh, I think you'll see a lot of different things. And, and one of the things I like uh, about, you know, what I'm seeing with this group, I, I think, uh, you know, and again, we didn't get to see that as much because they didn't change the way they did things in, in fall camp, uh, really in spring ball. Uh, they reacted to what the defense gave them, and that's what they ran. Uh, and they didn't make the defense, you know, you've got to do this so we can do this. So uh, they were scrambling at times. The defense made life, you know, tough on them. And if the defense ran a lot of stuff, for example, um, uh, that where they couldn't throw the ball to the tight end, they didn't. Now, we wanted to see him throw it to the tight end, but you don't want to see him doing that uh, when the defense isn't, giving you that. And you got to try to force that. I think we're going to see more of that. That's what yesterday's practice looked so good because they're going against scout team running Alabama stuff. They're going against the ones, against the twos. And uh, they got more of a, a chance to, to get a sense of what it's going to be like in a game. And uh, I thought they looked really sharp. And I thought they looked diverse. And uh, I thought they looked like they knew what they were doing. And that was encouraging because we haven't seen them. In those uh, situations, uh, yet this year. So, you know, they they made them tough it out. They made the offense go against some really tough stuff, uh, and uh, I think that they're better for that. Now we're going to get to see them going against, you know, the kind of you know stuff that they can game plan for. Uh, so I kind of like the way they've done this.
1: Matt had a question, Dan. Uh, what's the deal with John Plattenberg? He was a starter last year. And now is third on the depth chart. Is that a result of talented players coming into the defensive backfield, or a lack of effort, Matt?
2: See, that's where you you probably got to read <laughs> read every day and keep up. And and not that we don't like the the uh, the fact that you're asking the question, but the fact that you're asking it in a way that's sort of a negative about a wonderful kid. I mean, he's up for a couple of national awards in terms of of. Of some of the nonprofit service groups that he's, uh, developing to, you know, help kids in the neighborhood, uh, participate in sports. And, uh, uh, he's got one where they try to help people, uh, get, uh, the kind of clothing that they need for job interviews and all that. He's just a marvelous kid. He got, he got a concussion two weeks ago and he's still in the concussion protocol. So he hasn't been able to practice for a couple of weeks. Uh, but, uh, he had the biggest single hit. In, uh in fall camp, unfortunately, you know, for John. But yeah, I wouldn't, uh, you know, don't see that. Don't read. I wouldn't read negative things into the, the depth chart. Uh, you know, it's uh, they've got if they're all healthy, they've got pretty many safeties. Uh, but uh, John Plattenberg's one of them. He's a good one. And all we can do is hope he gets back. But you know, we haven't seen him. For a couple of weeks. So he got, uh, he got a pretty good shot. And so I don't know where this leaves him, you know, for the season. And we haven't got any more, you know, information. That's play. All he'll say is, you know, that he's still under the uh, concussion protocol. So, uh, I'm glad they're, you know, playing it safe with John. But, uh, John's a very much an effort guy, very talented guy. And USC will be very much better off when he's uh, able to come back
1: uh another Matt had a question based on what you've seen so far who's the best hitter on defense and who's the surest tackler without sua cravens we need someone to step up last year he might have been both the best hitter and surest tackler
2: Hmm, interesting
1: um i don't know really, it's hard to really say i mean i would i would guess but the
2: way they're playing out i mean they're not playing where oh it's this one guy or it's that one guy this is really team defense this is team pursuit this is guys and angles um and you, you know you you don't see anybody that you say okay you know maybe maybe Cameron Smith uh you know if he gets a really good shot uh, you know in the open field on somebody maybe Porter Gustin um you know the big guys that can move uh, you know, Marvell Tal will come up and hit you, you know, um, and all the, you know, DBs Bs Dory's really, you know, working on his physicality, uh, uh Biggie Marshall has always been a, you know, physical, you know, kid back there. Uh, Leon McQuay, the way they're playing him, uh, you know, in the nickel and covering the slot and, and moving him to the football, he will, uh, he'll, he'll really, you know, hit you, um, so I wouldn't you know I wouldn't just pick any any one of these guys and say, Oh, he's the big hitter. Uh that's not as big a deal now. I mean it's almost it's almost kind of a negative in a way because uh as we saw with John Plattenberg, you know, the biggest hitter of all camp and you know, he's out. So uh and and with the you know thought more of uh, the rugby style tackling that the, you know, Seattle Seahawks have really, you know, talked about that you know is 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 more of a secure way of tackling but it's also a way you know saving uh your your defensive player that you're not you know putting that head right in the middle of somebody's uh you know uh shoulder pad breastbone whatever uh uh so i i don't think you see that same kind of you know i mean yeah if a kid does light somebody up and all the defensive guys will scream and shout and you know they love it but uh, I don't think there's the emphasis on you know this is this is what you got to do uh, and really light somebody up. You just got to you know got get them to the ground as efficiently and surely as possible, and everybody will be happy if that happens.
1: Let's go to uh, Brian in Birmingham. He says, "What's good, Ryan? Brian and Bham, SEC fan, and, I mean SC fan and SEC country. Check it in." Got a question for you and Dan. With the possibility of Chad Wheeler being out or very limited for the season opener, do you move Zach Banner over to the left side or entrust Chuma Adoga to handle the job? As always, go Trojans. P.S. Attaching a photo of I took last month while on vacation on Waikiki Beach. Tour guide with Troy follower father on the North Shore. So thanks for that picture, uh, Brian. I know we can't see it on the podcast, but um that's Brian's question, Dan.
2: Wow. Yeah. haven't... Uh haven't actually gotten to meet, uh, Troy's, uh, heard about him, but haven't ever met him. Uh, uh, I don't think you move Zach. Uh, then you, you maybe are, you know, making changes on both sides. Uh, I like the idea, they moved, you know, for a day or two. I like the idea of keeping Zach and Vianney, uh, as kind of this big, you know, power run game, you know, behind them. On the right side, and 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 go from there. And so, make one change, and that's all the change you got to make. And that's uh, Chuma. I talked to Chuma quickly yesterday. He's up to two ninety. That was all. He played at two seventy five uh, as a, as a freshman, and he really wasn't big enough. Probably at two ninety, he's getting there. He's getting to look more like uh, like the guy you want. Uh, he's always hit good feet. And his angles have usually been good. So for, for a lot of reasons, he's more suited to be on that left side, you know, than any than anybody, basically. And, and you don't have a lot of depth now because then you really don't have uh, any kind of veterans behind either uh, either tackle if Chad's not back. But, uh, but I think Kim is the best solution. Keep uh, Zach where he is. Uh, I guess if you have to go somewhere else, then you – you start thinking about uh, one of the four guards. Uh, you know, maybe a Chris Brown or a Jordan Simmons. Uh, it would be the next possibility to move out there because you know you're really young when you're going with um, a second team right now, as EJ Price, a true freshman, and Clayton Johnson. So, uh, uh, but I like Tuma there, and uh, I think that'll be fine.
1: Let's see. Tarek had a question. Do you agree with the decision to have T Martin and uh, Tyson Helton? Uh, in the booth, especially with the new quarterback.
2: Yeah, I think one of the, the advantages USC has is you've got uh, Clay has been the quarterbacks coach. Clay recruited Max. Clay's been there. Uh, you know, Clay recruited Sam. I think having Clay there on the field is fine, and I think um, having uh, I think having uh, you know Tyson. And T, if that's the way it works out, you, 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 we'll see. Uh, but if that's the way it works out, uh, uh, having those two together and able to, you know, really, uh, communicate together, I think, uh, I think that's a good way to, you know, to look at it. Uh, but, uh, I'm not worried about, you know, that having somebody down on the field since you've got Clay, you know, down on the field for the quarterback.
1: All right, we have uh, Gary in Seattle. Uh, he says, I'm a little confused by a statement you've made in your Clay USC Got It Right story. You stated that if Sam was selected as the starting quarterback, then the offense uh, would have to be adjusted to take advantage of what he does. I was always of the thinking that Sam is the perfect fit for the offense that we are currently running and not so much for someone like Max. Are we not still using the zone read option when handing off the ball? If so... It seems like you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't have to or would want to change much uh, at all if it were Sam in there, as opposed to Max, who, like Cody Kessler in the last two years, is not a big threat to keep the ball and run, therefore not as efficient at keeping the defense honest. If anything, you would think we would change the offense some to better fit Max and not the other way around. Could you explain your statement of needing to change the offense if Sam had been selected? Thanks, as always. Gary in Seattle.
2: Yeah, Gary, I think uh you'd have to really decide that the read option with the quarterback run is a big part of the offense. And, you know, again, I don't think they've wanted to devote that much uh to the quarterback running the ball. If you go with a running quarterback, he gets hurt. And like a lot of programs, the second guy isn't the running quarterback. I think the other thing that they they would – probably have to change is uh the ability of max to really understand all of the nuances of the passing game and they really want to be able to you know hit the the first guy that's open they want the quarterback to be protected they want him to understand all the protections they don't want I mean, one of the things you see with younger uh, athletic quarterbacks is that that first option isn't there they can kind of just decide, you know what, i to, to take off with this thing. Uh, I don't think they want that. I think they want somebody who can go from, maybe he has to go from option one to option four immediately, but I think they feel that's what they want and that's what Max can do. So I think the idea of spreading the ball around uh, more efficiently and quickly is what Max does and gives them the ability to stay with, their vision of of how the game is. I think if if they go with Sam, I think they got to go a little more heavily on um, on uh, the quarterback uh, run, and and that's why when they say they're going to have a package or two, maybe red zone, maybe short yardage, you can bet it's going to involve the quarterback run. So that's not going to be the exact offense, and that's why you would put Sam in there because of you know kind of a different. Uh, approach if he's the quarterback so that's that's what I'm thinking I think there would have been more change involved if they go with uh, with Sam than if they go with Max not that you can't do that and not that they're not going to do that in some of these packages but uh, uh, in terms of the general way that they were approaching the offense I you know my feeling is that, that Max more reflects where they are right now
1: Let's see. We have a question from Matt. He said, if you had to select one player from the USC football team to come stay in at your house for a week, who would it be? That's kind of interesting.
2: Uh, I guess it would depend on whether you are whether you want to spend the weekend listening uh, to someone. If you did want to do that, you'd probably bring Zach Banner uh, because then you wouldn't, have to, you wouldn't have to talk at all. Zach will... <laughs> Get the job done for you. One thing you would want to do is hide all your blue shirts, however, uh, so that Zach didn't spot anyone or any blue shirt anywhere in your house. Uh, the food situation might be a little more, uh, challenging if, if Zach were the guy. And, and I'll be honest, another guy who is absolutely delightful to talk to and conversationalist, who's always got time for you, uh, is a Dory Jackson. Uh, the other day, I uh, was in the in on the field, and and the Dory had gone outside and was talking to some people and then was about about to leave. And I go come running up and say, oh, here, I'll walk in with you. I don't want to hold you. And he said, no, no, I got time. No problem. And just, you know, sit as long as you want. And that's really cool. I mean, the, the, the kids are, are, are like that. Yeah, I'll be to be honest. You don't want to just pick out a couple of guys. This USC team has an awful lot of, of, of really cool kids. And I uh, you know, was sitting at outside Galen Center a couple of weeks ago, kind of putting the ghost notes together, getting them ready to go in. And Jordan Simmons comes by and sits down and just starts talking. Uh, you know, he's a senior now, and he's done a lot of really interesting things that you don't always get to find out. You know, in terms of his uh, working with Nike and wanting to be a shoe designer and all this kind of stuff. And so uh, there are an awful lot of these kids that you'd probably like to say, hey, uh, and, uh, that they'd be fun uh, to come by for a weekend. Uh, really like this group. This is just kind of a, a nice nice, nice bunch of kids.
1: Yeah, if the, the food bill was... You know, taken care of. Zach Banner, I think, would probably be on the top of a lot of people's list. Uh, just a cool dude all around. I mean, there's, but there, like Dan said, so many cool guys. He had another one. I mean, he's
2: one of the few kids he think could go directly from college to his own sports talk show. I mean, he just that he's he's quick and smart and funny and interesting, and uh, he's uh he's a neat kid. And he's been working, you know, intern the last couple of years for Fox Sports, so he's been around. He's been around it, and his dad, Lincoln Kennedy, is a sports talk show guy and a um, college football and NFL analyst, so he comes by it naturally.
1: And then the second part of his question was, who is the USC true freshman football player that will have a breakout season in 2016? It seems most uh, observers would pick Jack Jones, but I'm not sure if he's going to be on the field very much.
2: Hmm. That's a good question. I, I think the good news is we're not sure who that, who that person might be. I think that's a, you know, it's not like you need this guy to come through. I've been surprised in reading some of the Alabama stuff. They've got a couple of true freshmen that they really think they gotta have come through. Uh, and I don't, I don't see that at, at USC at this point where you feel like a lot is going to be determined by uh you know who comes through uh as a, as a true freshman uh i mean you, you got guys that were here in the spring like Josh Immota baby and uh Michael Pittman and you think yeah these guys uh that could be a that could be a good thing uh but they're in a, a position with you know so many athletes you don't you don't quite have that you know that same sense um i i just you know, maybe you know, E.J. Price would be close to the top of the list just because he's at, he's at that left tackle spot where Chad Wheeler is, is kind of iffy. But, boy, it's asking an awful lot. I know Alabama's got a freshman that they're going to play a tackle, an offensive tackle, but uh, that's really asking a lot of uh, a freshman.
1: Yeah, and I would say, I mean, Dan's exactly right about this, that because this team is so much deeper than we've seen in the past, you're not likely going to be rel- Now there might be some that step up, but you're not like, well, they need this guy. I don't see any freshmen like, yep, that they need that guy to come in and, and play, you know, like a, a Tyler Petit last year. And there were so, you know, guys on the defensive line and got, you know, just there was a lot of people from that really good recruiting class or Cameron Smith and they needed those guys to come in and play. They, I don't, I don't see the same sort of need this year.
2: No, no. It, and so whoever it is, it'll be a bonus. We'll be uh you know, thrilled to death. But uh uh yeah, just none of that sense of uh this guy's gotta do it unless you count you know, if you're counting true freshmen, if you count red for shared freshmen, uh, you know, it changes the equation a little bit. But uh real freshmen and that's a really good sign of progress that uh of where this roster is.
1: Let's go to Paul. He says, hello, Dan. He goes, I really feel like my impression of you, Ryan, is getting better. I think it is, Dan. Good job. I mean, not Paul. (laughs) We are looking forward to the upcoming Alabama game in less than two weeks. My question to you, Dan, is within, say, the first 15 minutes of the game, what are the key things that you will be looking for from this USC team that would indicate to you that this is going to be a close game or even USC has a shot at winning the game? Lastly, I want to express my gratitude and appreciation to you, Ryan, and your staff at USCFootball.com. I've been a listener for about six months now and I really look forward to your podcast, especially the ones with Dan and Gerard Martinez. Uh thanks, Paul from Santa Clarita. Well, thanks very much for that, Paul. We really appreciate you coming on and listening. Glad you glad you found us. Hey, uh, Paul.
2: Hi. here's what I would look for. And I remember talking to Pete Carroll about this and he said, you know, you can watch all the film and, and have a sense that until, you know, those first few plays, you just really don't know. And uh, I'll watch for the, just the the quickness. Where does USC, where do the players end up? Where, what kind of angles are they giving themselves offensively and defensively, blocking and and, and and playing off the, you know, the blocker? Do they get where they need to be? Uh and what kind of force are they able to exert when those, you know, two lines on uh, either way you're looking at it, uh, who gives, who looks like, you know, they're getting the better of it. Uh, what kind of force, you know, is behind, uh, you know, that sense of, okay, we know what we're doing. And uh, can USC get to the edge? Uh, you know, can they turn the corner? Uh, can they create some themes inside, uh, all of those things, I think, you know, really, really important. And, again, until you line up and, and actually do it, I mean, this, this is a USC team that's not going to be doing it the way uh, you wanted or you saw a USC team in recent years. They didn't think they had the numbers or the body. They certainly didn't have the coaching, uh, the attitude, whatever. This team pretty much has most of those things. I mean, this team uh, feels like, it should be able to get out, you know, get up there and, and slug it out with the likes of, you know, Alabama and, you know, uh, Stanford, Notre Dame, Utah, people like that. Uh, but can they, and you know, there, there are a lot of things that will indicate whether they can do that or not, but those will happen fairly quickly where you'll get a sense. Uh, and then, you know, does this team have the stamina and the, uh, staying power? uh, having gotten itself into the kind of shape it's in to be running at the end of the game. I think it's a little harder for teams out of the, you know, the deep South and the humidity and the heat and what have you to maybe get themselves into that really top game condition for game one. Uh, so I think in some ways USC has, has an advantage there. And the other thing, and I will recommend this to everybody who cares about USC football, go on YouTube and find the highlights, like three, three and a half minutes of highlights from the USC Auburn game in 2003, and watch that game, and watch the way that kind of a young, in some ways, USC team went down there and took out a veteran, you know, Auburn team that some some people thought could win the national championship and put you know a double-digit number of guys into the NFL. And USC just took them out of the game. They played with a, you know, ferocity, uh, especially on defense, that just didn't let Auburn in the game. And Auburn couldn't get up to the speed that USC was playing with. So I think that the thing you want to watch right away is how much, how fast is USC able to play in this game and how does, how does Alabama handle it? So, you know, I know that's a flip for uh, a lot of people say, Alabama's so big and strong, how will USC handle it? But I think you can look at that, you know, two ways. and So that's how I'll be looking at it, and it'll be, you know, that's all you're going to look at because you're just going to be thinking, how is this going to turn out? How are they, you know, are they prepared? Do they have what it takes? And uh, we'll see. It's, it's it's why you, you know, why do you watch football games like that because you really don't know.
1: We certainly don't. And But speaking of that game, Dan, that's a great segue to Stephen Poway's question. He said, I've enjoyed your recollection of the 2003 Auburn-USC game at Jordan-Hare Stadium. I was there. and There are two things I would add to your comments. Uh, first, right before the game started, the Auburn fans practiced a new cheer they were going to perform that year after each touchdown by the home team. The amazing thing was they didn't get the chance to do it uh, once that game, highlighting the fact that this really was a defensive effort through and through, and the offense did enough to keep them in the game, uh, taking pressure off the brand-new quarterback, redshirt sophomore, Matt Leiner. Secondly, just as the Trojans were about to come onto the field to start the game, I was able to see their faces up close, and what I saw amazed me. They did not have the look of a team about to get slaughtered by a top-five team in the SEC on their home turf in 90-plus degree heat with 100% humidity. Instead, Pete Carroll had them all believing they could actually win this thing. And and thanks to the defense, they did. P.S. Auburn fans could not have been more polite or accommodating, even though we essentially whacked, uh, wrecked their dream season before it ever began. Beat the Tide, Steve and Poway.
2: Yeah, Steve. And, and one of my great memories is they basically had, you know, the full stadium, 85,000 people there an hour and a half before the game. And that was the year that, you know, Tommy Malone and I told this story before was a, you know, absolutely 49.9 whatever yards a, a punt and was the best punter in college football, I don't know, since Ray Guy maybe, uh before he, he injured his leg. And he came out and and I don't know if it was purposeful or not, but he's warming up on the side of the uh Auburn students and they're really good football fit. They know their football. And he was kicking the football way above the top of the stadium and deep, I mean, he's kicking it, you know, 80 yards. And the more he kicked it, the more, the quieter the, the whole Auburn student section got. I mean, each punt that soared above the top of the stadium and down to the other end and they got quieter and quieter. And I've told this to Tommy, I said, I don't know if you realize that, but he basically kind of shut down the whole because they're looking at him and they're smart enough to realize we don't see anyone who comes in here who punched the ball like that. That's like, who are these guys? Because they had, you know, obviously hadn't seen a a USC team ever at Jordan Hare, and I think they started thinking there's something going on here. These guys are, you know, they're different. I think that's what you want USC to to come out and play like, you know, next week is to come out and have a sense of. No, we're, we're like the real USC. We're back and get them to looking at one another like, Oh, this isn't good. Uh, um, so, but that's the, that's the model. I think that game, that 2003 game when uh, people weren't sure, you know, Carson Palmer had left, Troy Palamalu who had left was that, uh, you know, Orange Bowl team, a, a kind of a fluke. And here we go again with the new quarterback and all of that kind of thing. And it made it clear, no, that was just the start. And um, But uh, that was fun. Now, and and uh, to be honest, I think I'm going to recommend to Clay that he show them before they go out next week, uh, show them those three minutes of uh, USC Auburn highlights because I, I don't know if these kids have ever seen them. But, uh, they need to see him because, uh, there was a, you know, a way that USC team played and conducted itself that there was almost nothing Auburn could do about it. And, uh, we'll see if, uh, if that, you know, can translate to, uh, 2016.
1: All right. Uh, I think we'll do one more, Dan, and we'll let you go. I know we got to get to practice a little bit later. Um, our buddy, Dan, class of 1962, he said, thanks for all your insight. And for keeping Trojan football in perspective, I just hope that Lynn Swan and the USC administration give Clay Heldon at least three years like they did for John McKay and Pete Carroll. Uh, well, I don't think you need to give Pete Carroll any time. He won the Orange Bowl the second year. Um, but but during Pete's first year when he went 6-6, six and six, I had the opportunity to work with a very prominent high school coach who sent many players to D1 schools. I asked him what he thought of Pete Carroll. Unequivocally, he said that if the administration sticks with him, then he'll do great things. I'll never forget. I, I never forgot that assessment and what happened under Pete. The second full year is always going to be the critical year. I also like that Clay Helton does not appear to be looking for an NFL job and seems to genuinely like being the coach of USC. Your thoughts, fight on, Dan.
2: Yeah, and and you never know what administrations know about. what. I mean, I still remember I came in uh, that 2002 season <laughs> and I got a, Uh, a sit down, like the first, I guess it was still in fall camp with my kid. (laughs) He hadn't been at practice. And I still remember we're talking about how practice was going. And he says, what do you think of Pete Carroll? You think he can do it? (laughs) Well, I really like what they're doing. I like practice. You know, I like the way he's practicing. I like, you know, everything about, you know, the way this is happening. But, uh, but I still got the sense that going into that year two, they weren't sure what they had with Pete Carroll. And, you know, they, so, so you never want to, you, you put it in the hands of, uh, of people who maybe aren't football people and all of that. And yet you have to, and that's the right way to do it. But you want the program and the coaches to settle it so they don't have to make any decisions. You know, you want them to, you know, and, and obviously, you could have a really good year this year and maybe finish seven and five against that schedule. I mean, you could be the, right now on paper, you could be like the 16th best team in the country and lose five games. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. Not only do they play seven top 28 teams in the first AP poll, uh, they play five of them away from home. I mean, for example, UCLA plays just two. And they're both at home. So, you know, this is a, you know, it's a great opportunity, but man, talk about a great challenge. I mean, if Alabama had this schedule, people would be saying, I don't think they'd be picking them. Uh, So how this all plays out, I don't think we know. You just want them to go out there and play like you remember USC football playing and and see where that leaves them.
1: Yeah, I agree, Dan. It's, uh, I mean, the schedule is really tough. Uh, there's a lot of coaches that are doing things for the first time. You got a new quarterback. I, I think that this team could probably play pretty well. And like you said, lose five games. Um, and I think it's one of those teams that you're going to need to see progress because the first four games are so hard. The middle ones aren't too bad and they, they finish really strong too in the schedule. You know, uh, Notre Dame and Oregon and UCLA. Um, so you have to, I think this is one of those teams where you're going to have to see improvement, uh, as the season goes on, not big lulls, not, they look good one week, crappy the next week. I think if you see this team kind of improve, then that's probably a good sign for the the next couple of years down the road. But, um, I mean, I, I don't think any administration was going to get rid of Pete Carroll after he won the the orange bowl in his second, second you know, in his second season,
2: no, uh, his he didn't held, him give him any choice at yeah. that point
1: yeah I mean that's like you know yeah he was six and six so you know now there is talk because of you know Clay Helton had a you know a few games last year if they struggle this year I mean he could be on the hot seat quicker than other coaches uh just because of the situation you know uh, but I I don't see them making a move after one year of, of 500 football like that you know like, like you know obviously they didn't do that with Pete Carroll either but I don't see something like that happening if Clay Helton's able to turn things around and and when the Pac-12 South or something is second year then yeah I mean that, I mean he's not going anywhere
2: no uh, and just keep it in your own hands and uh you know get it done with with these guys and uh he's got a chance to get it done for sure and uh I think he's got the staff that you know can get it done and if they don't have any really terrible breaks uh, uh he's got a fighting uh fighting shot to to just move on and and see where he can take this program now that you know the The sanctions are gone, and, uh, you know, the school is a a fabulous play. As as Clay said the other day, he said, you get a top 20 education. He said, somebody said, you know, is it harder to recruit against somebody like an Alabama with the success they've had? And he said, look, he said, we've got the most most, uh, NFL draft picks, most first-round picks, the most Hall of Famers, and you get a top 20 education in the country. That, you know, what's not to like about that? He said, we're fine. We're going to recruit fine. Uh, you know, this is, a, this is a place that, you know, we don't have to, you know, make excuses for. And now you've got to get it done on the field so you, you don't have anything else there to say but. Uh, and uh, and we'll see. And, and, and if they do get it done against the schedule they're playing, the whole world will know. I mean, that's the the upside is you've got the greatest opportunity of anybody in college football this year. The downside is you've got the toughest schedule in college football. Uh, and an awful lot of them are on the road. So, uh, so we shall see, but, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be fun, I think. It's got a chance to be really fun in, in, in one of those seasons that you always remember, like you did in, you know, 2002, 2003. That, you know, people always are going to remember that. And, uh, you know, you has got a chance to, to put themselves in that place. Very difficult, you know, to do that. But, uh, uh, all you can ask is to have a chance. Uh, a lot of teams going into this season probably don't think they really got much of a chance. Yes, he does.
1: They do. All right. Well, thanks, Dan. It was uh, great stuff. We have, we have actually more questions. I think I'm going to do a solo podcast also. So if you have any more questions, I'll try to do one of these maybe tomorrow uh no practice for usc well they have no i'm sorry they have practice just players aren't available so dan will be out there i probably won't so maybe i'll come into the studio and do a a solo podcast if you have any questions podcast at uscfootball.com we do want to get a recruiting one in as well so maybe we'll do that instead i'm not sure but we'll plan on doing another podcast tomorrow because we do have a lot of uh a lot of interest of course around the usc program right now but dan i just want to thank you again for coming on the show and uh sharing all your insights Really excited we got practice again this afternoon. Lots of opportunities to talk to these guys and kind of see where their head's at and how they're going to play against Alabama.
2: Sounds good. See you this afternoon.
1: All right. We'll see you out there, Dan, and again. everyone else. Thanks for tuning in to the Peristyle podcast. And I want to thank our sponsor, Mac Weldon. Make sure check it out. It's They're guaranteed. If you don't like it, you can get your money back and keep the underwear. MackWeldon.com. Uh, Peristyle is the promo code. You get 20% off. So 20% off, and you can get your money back if you don't like it. So good stuff there. Uh, thanks to Mack Weldon. Thanks, Dan Weber. Thank you for everyone that wrote in, and thank you for all of our listeners on the Parastyle podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time.
0: Estate transaction. Michael Moline Real Estate has industry expertise to help you with both your real property and your personal property as you get ready to transition. Michael Moline Real Estate specializes in properties located on the west side of Los Angeles and the southern San Fernando Valley communities. Allow Michael Moline Real Estate to give you a free comparative market analysis and home valuation so you know how much your home is worth today. Contact Michael Moline at Michael Moline Real That's Michael Moline Real Estate.com.